the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with John Downing. Marty is taking the week off because he got his dick kicked in at the restaurant today. And we're here to give you a quick recap of this week in sports. Hockey talk. <laughs> the hockey edition, yeah. Happy birthday, Ernesto. How was your, how was your weekend? Thank you. Uh, my birthday was awesome. I uh, had a great time with some great friends. Went down to Boston. Had a swanky-ass uh, dinner. John, you ever have a caviar sandwich? No, I can't say that I have. Uh, Doesn't well, sound good. It was actually fucking unbelievable. Uh, 22-year-old bottle of wine. Nice. Yeah, my um, my buddy took good care of me, so... Sounds yeah. good. Uh, a little disappointed that our buddy uh, John Boozer Short couldn't make it to join us today. Some, should we uh, do a little bashing? Yeah, we <laughs> should talk... I don't Actually, enough people talk behind his back. We don't need to add to it. Um... But I guess in lieu of not having any of our usual guests or company, um, let's double up on our 16s today. Okay. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, what I assumed uh, John was going to pick, and that's Brett Hull, uh, fourth most goals scored among NHL players. So just for those who have don't listen, this is episode 16. Episode 16. Every show. We pick out a member, uh, an athlete who wore the number for what our episode corresponds with. Yeah, I think it's going to get interesting as we get into some of those weird numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Even 16, there weren't that many 16s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I had a hard time with 15. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be the best person to wear that number. No it rules. Could, yeah, it could just be, you know, whatever. Uh, but anyways, Brett Hull, fourth most goals scored among NHL players at 741. He is a two-time Stanley Cup champion with the 99 Dallas Stars and the 02 Detroit Red Wings. He was the 1991 Hart Memorial Trophy winner and Ted Lindsay winner. He played for St. Louis, Dallas, Detroit, Calgary, uh, and like 20 games or something in Phoenix. Um, 19-year career, played 100... Uh, excuse me, 1,269 games, 741 goals, 650 assists, uh, 1,391 1, points. Number 16, Brett Hall, on behalf of John Choi. Okay, I'll go. I'll take the next one. So the probably the most famous number 16 of all time is Joe Montana. And we almost let this one slip, but we figured somebody had to take Joe Montana, right? right? I thought Marty was going right. to do it. Joe Montana, nicknamed Joe Cool or the Comeback Kid, maybe the second greatest quarterback of all time. Now I would say that that is debatable because clearly number one is Tom Brady. So Montana's on the next rung down afterwards. <laughs> he won the national championship at Notre Dame in 1977. Was drafted in the third round by the 49ers in 1979. He played for San Francisco for 14 seasons before finishing his last two seasons in Kansas City where he wore number 19. Uh, but as number 16, he was three-time three, three time first team all-pro all quarterback. He was two-time second team all-pro quarterback. He won the MVP twice in 1989 and 1990. He was a four-time Super Bowl champion. He was 4-0 in, in Super Bowls. He won Super Bowls in the years 1981, 1984, 1988, 
1990. And three times he was the Super Bowl MVP. He is an eight-time All-Pro quarterback. He has 273 touchdowns to 139 interceptions, 40,551 passing yards for a career passer rating of 92.3. So that is Joe Montana. Oh, yeah. Joe Montana. (laughs) Remember that from uh, The Waterboy? Oh, yes. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, so my official number 16, we'll put this on the record. Um, I went with one of the um, old hockey legends, Henri Richard. Rocket Richard. No, no. No? Rocket, Rocket Richard's brother. Oh, okay. So uh, Rocket Richard is Maurice Richard. Maurice. So um, Henri was, as I said, the brother of uh, Maurice Rocket Richard of the Rocket Richard Trophy fame for the league's leading goal scorer. Um, Henri was 15 years younger than his uh, brother Maurice uh, and was uh, 5'7". So he's about three inches shorter. They called him the pocket rocket. I like it. (laughs) Uh, And here's why I chose him. He won 11 Stanley Cups as a player, uh, more than any other player in NHL history, and is the only other athlete in North American Pro sports to win 11 championships along with? Bill Russell. Yes, sir. Uh, From 1955 to 1975 um, was when he played for the Montreal Canadiens, Les Habitants. Uh, Was the captain for the last four years of that. He had 358 goals, 688 assists, 1,046 points. Uh, Fun fact, that was 80 more points than Rocket Richard, although um, he did play two more seasons. Uh, he scored the Stanley Cup clinching goal in overtime of Game 6 in the 1966 Cup Finals uh, versus the Red Wings. And in the 1971 Stanley Cup Finals, he scored both the game-tying and the game-winning uh, goals in Game 7 against the Blackhawks. So, um, pretty big stuff. Henri Richard. Okay, uh, my, number, my second number 16 is going to go to Dwight... Doc Gooden, nicknamed Dr. K, probably the most potential, unfulfilled or untapped, unlived up to potential of a pitcher in baseball history, I would say. Doc Gooden burst onto the scene for the New York Mets in 1984, and he promptly won Rookie of the Year. And then in 1985, he had the most unbelievable season. He won the the pitching version of the Triple Crown. He compiled a 24-4 record with a league-leading 1.53 ERA. 1.53. That's insane. It's nuts. He had 268 strikeouts, 16 complete games. You don't see that anymore. And then uh, in the following season, he won, helped the Mets win the 1986 World Series. Um, he battled big-time cocaine, crack cocaine issues. Uh, after the Mets won the World Series in 1986, he missed the parade because he was out all night with his friends smoking that crack rock cocaine. Uh, so he ended up spending 10 seasons, you know, him and his buddy Daryl Strawberry and a lot of the players on the Mets were big into the drugs, from the drug scenes in New York in the late, late 80s. Anyway, he lasted 10 seasons for the Mets and he battled those addiction issues and he never was quite the same pitcher as he was early on in his career, unfortunately. So the potential that he showed early on just kind of went wasted. 
He did catch on with the Yankees in 1996, and he won a World Series with the Yankees in 96 as kind of a lower-tiered member of the rotation, kind of like the fourth or fifth starter for that team. And then once again in 2000, he won his third World Series with the Yankees. Um, he's kind of just a, a bit player for the team. Uh, so that's Dwight Doc Gooden. All right. Um, I have a quick question before we move on. You mentioned it uh, with, you know, you saw a lot of these older guys pitching um, complete games. We don't see that much with, with the hyper-management of the pitch count. And, and sometimes you'll see good pitchers on a roll doing well, taken out of a game for, for the sake of pitch count. What's your, what's your take on that? It's something that I think along with the money ball theory that came into play with in baseball in the early 2000s in the Oakland days and specialized players and you know if you can have I guess it started before that even with Tony La Russa and when he had Dennis Eckersley as his closer for the for the maybe even a little before that but Dennis Eckersley really took the closer role and ran with it winning the 1991 Cy Young and MVP and just being able to you know, he was a starter before, and then he wasn't that great, and then La Russa saw that Eckersley was great if you only used him for one inning. So they threw him in the back in the, in the ninth inning, and he became dominant again, just pitching one inning. So you had, you noticed that some pitchers could really just let loose throwing for one inning, and they didn't get exposed too much of throwing multiple innings, and, you know, it's just more of a specialized nature of what baseball has become. And now you see a lot of relievers in baseball just getting paid exorbitant amounts of money. You know, they, you know, not quite what starters get, but the starters now aren't getting the contracts that they used to get. Just this week alone, we saw Aaron Nola for the Phillies and Luis Severino of the Yankees each get four-year, $40 million contracts. Those are two top ten pitchers in Major League Baseball last year. Those are guys that... In previous generations of baseball, you know, or at least in the most recent generations of baseball, would be 150 to 200 million dollar contract pitchers. So to see them get contracts for four years, 40 million, just goes to show that the value of starting pitching has gone so far down. And it also speaks to a, a bigger topic about the contracts in baseball overall. But you you see relievers getting big deals as well. And you think they're just trying to reset the market and and. You know, because it's not a cap league, so that so when when other positions get paid more, there's not a natural um, way to sort of even everything out because you have to pay for everything. It really just depends on how big your pockets are. Well, you know, I saw it. What's happening is it seems like baseball, the owners have brought in like these the nerds. So, so you want you say call call them the nerds, and they figured out how to maximize wins by using war. Wins above replacement is the big stat. And minimal, minimal, minimizing costs and being a cost-effective team. So instead of spending hundreds of millions of dollars on one player for a high war, they, they're finding uh, better values to make up for the, the difference. And the value contracts have become more of a thing and the big-time contracts we're not seeing so much of as we see Bryce Harper and Manny Machado still sitting on this, what is today, the 19th, 18th of February? 18th of February, and the spring training has started for all the teams. And these are the two biggest free agents we've seen in, in years at their peak age at 26 years old for each of them. They're still unsigned when only a couple of years ago, each of these 
both Machado and Harper were presumed to be two guys who would approach $500 million contracts a couple of years ago. Everyone was saying that. And now they're saying that there's offers out there, but usually these guys are signed in December, January at the latest. And to see them not have jobs right now is a strange thing. Maybe we'll see them get signed this week. And then the dominoes will hopefully fall because otherwise we may see a strike at some point in the near future because there's like 75 other guys in baseball that have yet to sign as well, which is a huge number for this for spring training having started and all these guys to be free agents in baseball. It's bizarre. So you, you're, you're talking about a strike and not a lockout. Right, right. You know, so the current labor agreement goes until the end of the 2021 season. And I know Adam Wainwright spoke this week, this past week, about the players possibly striking. And he started to walk those comments back this weekend. But the players and the owners, are, the players are the ones who are pissed because they're the ones who is costing them the money that they feel like they're supposed to be given. And the owners have seemed to find, like I said, the right amount of nerds to work in their front office and put a team on the field that doesn't that's cost effective and they don't need to spend all these big contracts and so what you've seen is guys like what's happened is the guys like Albert Pujols got like a 30-year deal or no I'm sorry not 30 a 10-year deal when he was 30 years old for 280 million or whatever. 30 year deal. Yeah, no, sorry. He's 30, <laughs> when he was age 30, he got a 10 year deal for like 280, 300 million. So now he's approaching his age 40 season and he's still getting paid an exorbitant amount and he's not producing not nearly what he was when he was close to the age 30. And there's other guys in baseball too, like Robinson Cano, a similar deal. And thankfully for the Mariners, they were able to shed that contract, but they had to part with the best closer in baseball last year. Edwin Diaz, and they so they tr- attached Edwin Diaz, who was cost con- cost affordable, and they attached him to Cano to get rid of the Cano contract and sent him to the Mets as a, as a package deal. Otherwise, they were going to be stuck with the Cano contract in the bad years com- coming ahead, and, you know, the older, mm-hmm. more expensive, less productive years. And so it seems like the owners are trying to just be more cost-effective and get similar production. Maybe not it's not the same elite-level production that you get from, the same, from these upper-tier guys, but... If you can get more bang for your buck and more value for your dollar, it seems like the owners are taking that approach, and that's really rubbing the players the wrong way, as it, as it would, you know, because right. now these guys who feel like it's their time and they should be getting these huge contracts, they're not getting them. And it's like, well, wait a minute, I'm a great player. Great players have been get, given this much money in the past, and now I'm not getting that. What the hell? So, I mean, you'd be pissed too, wouldn't you? Right. What is... Um... And revenues are up for baseball. Revenue, revenues keep going up. And that's the thing. So owners are just pocketing the, the extra money. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's the kicker. Yeah, of course. I mean, you look at look at Bob Nutting and what he does in Pittsburgh. Right. It's a fucking travesty. And we haven't reinvested any of the Andrew McCutcheon that's money. That's the problem. Is these teams are finding a way to be profitable and they're not they're not reinvesting the money of the product on the field. So they they've they figured out this way to be a profitable team, be a make money as an owner and and another problem is last year you had teams like the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays on a 25-man roster for the Oakland A's last year, a team that made the wild card playoffs. They had 18 players who made under $750,000. Now, the A's are a special case because they're run by Billy Bean, who is the king nerd. You know, he's the, he is Mr. Moneyball. But if other teams see that this can be done cost-effective, like Billy Bean can do it, and the Rays almost made the playoffs last year, then other teams are like, oh... Let's try to let's try to emulate that and not and try to pocket the money and put a winning product on the field. 
But there's also some teams who aren't really trying. They don't have the good nerves. They're not putting the winning product on the field as well. And that's where you, you see Pittsburgh. You see Miami Marlins. You know, and they're just Marlins are just dumping all their players. Well, right, but that's that's the Jeter effect, the major league farm team. Yeah, and, yeah that, and now they brought in Jorge Posada to work with Jeter. It's, so what are they going to be Yankees? Farm system now? I don't like it. It seems sketchy to me. All right. At the risk of uh, loading this show up with hockey talk in February, um, I, or excuse me, baseball talk in February, I just got one more question. What's their, what's, what is the process for them to be able to uh, call, a, call a strike? Would the players, the players Association would have to do that. Um, are all of the players going to be on board? There's going to have to That's be a, the problem. There's going to have to be a vote. Um, and, you know, for 75 guys that are getting dicked over... Who don't have jobs. Right. Who don't have jobs. There's, you know, how many hundreds more who are making a few million a year. Um, so there's like around 900 in, the, in Major League. 900 players, roughly. Right, right. So there, there's a few hundred that are making maybe one or two million and are very, very fucking happy with that. They're just happy to be on a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for showing up. We're just happy to be here. Is Albert Pujols going to strike, making his $30, $30, $35 million this year? Right. Probably not. Right. And, you know, there's other players along that same level. I know that the president of the union, Tony Clark, spoke today about the commissioner, but I haven't seen those comments yet. But they were harsh regarding the commissioner. And maybe we'll get into that with Marty next week. Uh, but we'll get, hopefully we'll, I mean, we've been waiting for, for months now for the Harper Machado signings to happen and it seems like they're on the verge so hopefully this week we get the Machado Harper signings and then some more signings fall into place I know Mike Moustakis re-signed a one-year deal with the Brewers today so that's one domino to fall but like I like we said there's still 75 plus more players that need to get jobs before almost a little over a month is out Um, would they strike this year I don't think they would strike this year but, you know, this whole process started last year in the offseason. J.D. Martinez didn't get a job until around this time last year, and he was frustrated by that. And there was a, little, there was a number, number of guys. Uh, again, again Moustakis last year didn't get a job till late in the year. Jake Arrieta didn't get a job till really late in the year. Um, so this process of the owners cutting back started last season, but it wasn't as pronounced or noticeable. This year is where we've really noticed this this, this seismic shift in how the baseball offseason goes. And if it continues in the next year, then you know the, the union might come up with some sort of plan as to how they're going to go about a strike. Because like, like you said, they have to prevent, pre- present some, some form, some united front. You know, they can't just be a couple guys here and there. It has to be a united front. They're a strong union, but they need to be all for one, one for all type type deal in order to make it work. Right. So, but they, I tell you what, they signed a bad deal. I mean, you can tell now that they, they signed a bad deal with their collecting collective bargaining agreement. What was it? I think it was like eight or nine years ago, and now the owners are taking advantage of it, and so players are pissed. Shouldn't have signed the bad deal. That's it's an interesting concept in general with um, you know. How long does the the CBA go for? Ten years. I mean, you know, it varies, but I think this one's ten years. You know, you got a lot of a lot of young players coming in, getting uh, screwed over by 
you know, decisions that were made by... Previous generation. Yeah, players that aren't even there anymore. And, and then you have the whole arbitration clock thing where the Major League Baseball is preventing its best young players from being able to get called up when the season starts. So now we're going to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. get held held out of Major League Baseball. He's the top prospect in baseball for the Blue Jays. And he spent he, he didn't need to be in the minor leagues last year, but they kept him there because the Blue Jays weren't going to win anything last year. So everyone was saying, oh, all right, we're going to see Vlad Guerrero Jr., this year, when the Blue Jays start, and now the Blue Jays have already announced, no, we're going to keep him in Buffalo with AAA until the clock sets on him and he doesn't accrue one year of full service time. So that they way they don't lose a year on the back end. Yeah. So they don't, right, so they don't have to pay. So they're going to wait until the, he can't accrue the full year this season. Then they'll bring him up. That way they can get an extra year on the back end, end of his contract. What kind of sport do they not do they not do two way contracts? In? Not like that, no. So what, I'm just saying, what kind of sport says ah, we don't want the best players in the game right now? Like it's just it's weird. Yeah, well, I think part of it is just the 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 number the sheer number of games there are and and just how um, how business like it is and and how for so many teams it's really not about putting. Necess- necessarily nope. a winning product on the field. It's it's putting a sustainable product on the field that is going to generate profit, and you, and you accept a, a certain amount of um, losing that's going to come with that. Yeah, and the fans keep showing up, and the revenues keep going up, and as long as the revenues keep going going up, the owners are going to keep trying to skirt skirt around this financial these financial issues so we the, see that in every industry we do we do but the the, player, <coughs> the players union is a strong union and they're just going to have to smarten up and be prepared for the next cba in 2021 yep. so that they can not allow these things to continue all right and that was wintertime baseball talk oh we're a month out <laughs> you know me baseball doesn't even start until uh July? the second week of june but then it's over for you <laughs> yeah, I don't, my suffering is is very limited. It's a short window. You know, it's going to be tough for you this year in that division too. Oh, it's tough every year. Anyways, all right, moving on to hockey talk. Um, I figure we just get right into it and start breaking down. Uh, we're about twenty games out. Little, little less actually. Um, most teams are at fifty-eight, fifty-nine games. So we got 22, 23, 24 left. Or a little more, excuse me. Yeah. So we're at like the 75% mark. 75%, yes. Sir. Um, so we'll break it down division by, by division here. Um, and we'll, we'll start on the left coast and uh, work our way back. We, we can save uh, the personal stuff for, uh, for last. Okay. So we're going to start in the Pacific? We're going to start in the Pacific. Um so the way the standings are today, we would have uh, the Flames in first place, 59 games played, 79 points. Um, in terms of who the best team in that division is, uh, I mean, the Calgary Flames are, are great. They're up there among the best teams in the league right now. Uh, I would give the slight edge uh, to the Sharks, who are only one game behind them at two points. Um, I think they have, with their defensive depth, um, you know, they have, they have two 
Carlson on the first line, Burns on the second. Number one line. defenseman. You know, and both those guys on the power play. And, you know, the the uh, ability to have two number one defensemen. Who are both so good. And they're, they're scoring. Carlson only has three goals this year, but that's bound to go up. Oh, yeah. I know, like, a lot of the metrics say that he's down. He's due for some positive regression in terms of the goal statistics. He has 40 assists, but yeah. he's due for also, positive let's, regression. Let's think, about, let's think about, too, the, the change in system. Right. You know, uh, the, something that he's played for his entire career, you know, um, in the Senators organization. Now he goes to the Sharks where they're, they're really, you know, kind of run-and-gun, high-flying offense sort of team and you know that's gonna take a lot to adjust to I, I you see him uh, elevating his game in uh, high pressure uh, situations and as the playoffs draw near um, I really like the way they look um, but yeah no you asked me at, at the beginning of the season you know what makes what makes uh, the Calgary Flames so good? Because they came out on fire. Yeah. And they seemed and like the best team early on. Yep. Until Tampa's pulled away. But they're, now they're holding on for dear life. And they're only, like you said, there's only, they're only a game ahead of San Jose. And, That's a tough division, though. I mean. And then you have Vegas. Yep. Vegas is. Well, Vegas is, is about 10 points back from them from there. Yeah. So they're going to play whoever doesn't win the division in the first round. So they'll play. Either Calgary or San Jose in the first round. Right, and Calgary does not want to play. Um, now, can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, what's up with your boy Marc-Andre Fleury? Because I've noticed so Malcolm Subban got the start the other day, and now he's starting again tonight. So he's getting back-to-back starts. Is that just rest for Fleury? Or, I mean, it seems like Subban's playing kind of well, which I'm surprised about. Yeah, I mean, I was certainly following um, the... The, the Golden Knights a little more last year when they were doing what they were doing and, and Marc-Andre Fleury was uh, performing the way he was performing. Has um, he dipped a little this year? Or is it had, a combination of Subban, you think, coming up? I think, I think Marc-Andre has dipped a little bit. I think the entire team has dipped a little bit. Um, they're still doing much better than I even thought they would do this year. But I, I think that, um, you know... Marc-Andre Fleury is one of those flashy goalies who does really well um, the more shots he sees. You know what I mean? He, like, if he could stay in the game and be really active, uh, he'll, he'll do really, really well. Um, and I think as their team gels and they get stuff more together, um, you know, he's probably seeing less of that environment. I believe their, their shots on goal against um, are down this year. Um, we're not seeing those, those games that, they, that they, had, they were winning last year, you know, 6-5 to five or 7-6. to six. Definitely not. And um, so they've lost. They've he, lost eight, they, so they've lost eight of their last 12 games. He's always been a streaky goalie as well. Um, you know, so Malcolm Subban's a great, uh, great goalie. It's a shame you guys. Uh, they just had, had never. 
he was a first round pick, which you know you don't usually see the goalies taken in the first round, and he just never seemed to live up to the potential of the Subban name or first round pick goalie down in Providence. And yeah, I was surprised to see them deal him too. It seemed like it was a little too early to deal him, but but they did. Well, I think he was he was taken in the expansion draft. No, they lost uh, Colin Miller to Vegas. They, they didn't... Oh no, he was part. He was part of one of those um, one of those trades that happened because of the expansion. Right, because he was there last year. We will right. right. We will give you this if you don't take this. Okay. That's how, that's how it went down. Right. Uh, okay, so moving along to the worst team. Um, these are the three worst teams in the league, uh, as far as I'm concerned. This. That's another thing with the, with this division is these numbers might be a little skewed uh, because the Kings, the Oilers, and the Ducks are so fucking bad this year. And the Ducks just fired their coach. The Ducks just fired their coach, and then um, Randy Carlisle, yeah, he was like, oh, and uh, Bob Murray, their GM, who's never coached even a peewee league hockey team, is the boss bench in the interim, so... Um, They're disappointing unit they, as a whole because they've never won what they should have won with the core that they have, in my opinion. Right? Yeah. Yes. And now yes they've got no. Old. But also look at look at what was going on in those in that time frame. Like yeah, but when I their mean, core was what they were, they they, they let they, the Kings get hot those couple of years. I know Jonathan Quick stole the show a couple of years. You know, I know they were on the Blackhawks when the Blackhawks were a machine, but right. it's the King. It's the Kings one that I think that would bother Anaheim fans. The couple times the Kings got hot. Yeah, but those teams are so good. I mean, Jonathan Quick wasn't letting anything in. Drew Doughty was such a force. But there was one year that they were like an eight seed, right? And then he just turned it on in the playoffs and then went but the whole way. That's the thing about hockey. And then you know, the, the Edmonton Oilers are the perpetual disappointment. Yeah. Um. Shirelli. Yep. Yep. and the kings the kings are just bad right now they they were old they spent they they did what a lot of the teams do as a model is they pay too much for right now and then they suck after yeah cuz they still have a lot of the same players i was watching the um a little bit of the bruins kings game on saturday night and it's still a lot of the same players through drew Doughty, the jeff carter of the world anze kopitar anze kopitar yeah. yeah and they have kovalchuk too they added. I that was one thing, and I said it when it happened that I did not fucking understand. Like, it's the Kings had already. It was like it made sense to pay too much for aging players when the window was open, but you're throwing a 35 year old man on the decline at five million uh, at five million a year directly into a shut window, like. <laughs> right. What's what's the fucking point of that? Um, I think they and they also just made a small a small trade. I think last week, I, I forget the guy's name. But they they made a smaller trade. The Kings. The Kings did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the MVP for the division, uh, hands down. There's no argument about this. Elias Pettersson. Uh, we were talking about him the other week. Right. Um, He's actually, believe this, he's never played center before coming to the NHL. Like in, in, the, in the Swedish leagues that he was playing in before, he was a winger. 
And he gets a point almost every single game. He's played. He's got 54 points in 49 games. Yep. 26 goals, 28 assists. Yeah, and his line mates are Josh Livo. Ever heard of him? No. Yeah, me either. <laughs> Not gonna lie. And a seemingly perpetually injured Brock Besser. So he is. He is. I made... know him. B o e b o e s e r. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> um, but he's always hurt, right? You know, he's he's had a groin thing that's been going on. Uh, he had a, a back thing, like a, like a spine thing, a little earlier. You know, so he hasn't been a ton of help. And Elias Pettersson has just been lighting up, um, absolutely fucking lighting up. The NHL. So at least they have something to look forward to. Yeah, I mean that's good for Vancouver. They're they're a proud uh, a proud organization that hasn't had a lot to cheer for in a long time. Uh, the offensive player, uh, the most prolific uh, offensive player for the division. I don't think we there's any argument here either. Uh, Connor McDavid. Yeah. You know, is just Masters MVP. Absolutely uh, unbelievable. Um, Wasting away his prime years. He's the Mike. What is he? The Mike Trout of hockey. Yeah. 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 He's, it's just. Good job, Peter Shirelli. Good job. It's unbelievable how you could. I heard a great uh, a great analogy today. It's like the way they're constructing that team in Edmonton. It's like they're like, okay, well, it's, we'll take uh, like you have a car, and it's like, okay, we'll take we'll take this wheel off, uh, and we'll trade it away for a glove box. <laughs> and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll take this catalytic converter out and uh, we'll, we'll trade it away for, you know, another turn signal. Uh, and then, uh, oh, yeah, here, we'll put this Ferrari engine in it. You know, it's like, dude, the, Shirelli, man. The, the car's missing a fucking wheel. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter that you have... He'll get fired this offseason, right? Uh, he's, hasn't he already been fired? He was fired this week. I think I wrote it down to talk about it. Oh, really? I missed that? Yeah. How did I Peter miss that? Peter Chiarelli. Yeah. That's something for so, me to celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He fucked your... Oh, just about fucked your team up, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Sweeney's done a lot to improve it, but... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're on their way back up. But they have a really good core, and they've done some good drafting. Um, so, thankfully, they've been able to overcome the <laughs> Peter Chiarelli mess. But trading... Uh, trading Tyler Sagan, before his prime even begins, will go down as one of the stupidest trades in history. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I used to make this joke to you guys all the time. It's like, um, you know, anytime you'd have somebody start scoring for you, got to trade him. Got to trade him. Got to fucking trade yeah. him. He scores too many before goals. before that, it was uh, Phil Kessel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't have that. He's too flashy, all that Thank God scoring. he wasn't around for pasta night. <laughs> oh, well, we'll get to pasta in a second. Uh, but yeah, Peter Chiarelli was fired. Um, I'm interested to see if Ken Hitchcock, Ken Hitchcock stays stays on his uh, head coach there. And he may just fucking walk out in the middle of the game. Like, yeah, he's the, old. The way they're playing. But, you know, Ken Hitchcock was brought in to save P- Peter Chiarelli's job. Clearly that didn't work. No. Um, so... You know, maybe maybe he's gone too. So something to look out for there. Uh, McDavid, McJesus, fifty-seven games played, thirty-one goals, fifty-two assists, eighty-three points. 
Um, you know, what are you going to do there? Seven game-winning goals. For a team with 24 wins. <laughs> yep. Uh, for the defensemen, it was really a toss-up for me between uh, Brent Burns and Mark Giordano uh, of Calgary. I like Burns. I went I, in the end. I went with Burns too. Um, he, always, he ends up on a lot of my daily fantasy hockey teams. Does well for you? Oh, so well. He's just a machine. He's a point. He's a, he's a scoring. He's a daily fantasy points machine. Yeah, he really is. And Giordano, he's good, but you know he's not quite the same level as Burns. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brent Burns just passed uh, his thousand game mark. Uh, Norris winner. He's having another Norris caliber season this year. He's got eleven goals, sixty four points. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, his his sort of reputation speaks for himself. And for me, the fact that he is still um, performing the way he's performing with, I'm sure, you know, his his ice time is getting getting split a little bit with Carlson um, to be able to still perform like he's doing with maybe slightly less um, TOI. It's pretty yeah, impressive. This is his 15th season. Oh, yeah. They're age 33. So he's been around for a while. Has goals in three straight games. I'm sorry, I misread that. So the biggest story in the um, Pacific Division this year for me has got to be the continued collapse of Edmonton. Um, you know, everything kind of kind of fell into place this year as far as... You don't think it's Anaheim? No, no, because... Because always, they're always up there, always. And then this year, it's just like they're no longer there. Yeah. No, it's it's got to be the Oilers for me, okay. because because the, uh, the high end talent, the high end talent, the um, last year's, you know, they gave Drysaddle all that money, mm-hmm. you know. It, I really like him too. He's really good. Yeah. Uh, this is the year that they they fired Todd McClellan, you know. This is the year they fired Peter Chiarelli, you know. But it's an it's an old boys club there. Uh, and the front office there. So they're probably going to get another, you know, uh, ancient-minded hockey guy, you know, one of the, one of the, the old boys to, uh, to run the show there again. And it's, you know, I, I suspect we'll see more of the same. Well, um, at least they have something to work with. <laughs> you know? Or a couple guys to work with. Man, that, that, that Taylor Hall trade, I... Could not believe after Taylor Hall won MVP a year he gets traded. Um, for Adam Larson. For Adam fucking Larson. And then also the Lucic trade. I mean. The Bruins. So that's the thing. So Don Sweeney has been a bad trader. He's been a bad NHL level trader. He's not good at identifying talent at the NHL level and making a even or even trade in the Bruins' favor except for that trade. That's the one trade that he's won, was the uh, Lucic trade. That's the one. <laughs> but a lot of other ones have been really bad. The uh, Lee Stempniak trades and was it Lyle Jones or Paul Lyle Jones or something was his name. A couple years ago they got John Michael Lyles. 
Something like that. John Michael Ellis. Yeah. No, that didn't work out. <laughs> exactly. You don't even remember his name. Oh. Uh, anything else uh, about the Pacific Division for you? No, I think it's between Calgary and San Jose. Yeah. Totally. And uh, just, a, just a quick side note. Um, it's nice to see teams like uh, the Canucks and the Coyotes digging themselves out of the basement. Um, one of the things I really enjoy about this league is the, is the parody in it and um, how you truly – and it must frustrate you as, as a gambler and fantasy player um, dealing with NHL because you really have no fucking idea what's going to happen any night. This is true. Um, yeah, that's, this is true. That's why you just stick to like uh, an algorithm with as accurate as you can get possibly get points per game projections and optimize and – Pray that it works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the Central Division. Um, best team, uh, yet yet again, it's a situation where a Canadian team is in the lead, and I'm just not fucking having it. We love the Winnipeg Jets, though. We, we do love, love the way the, they play. We nice, do big, love physical. the Winnipeg Jets. I, I love um, Connor Hellebuck, um, awesome American-born... Uh, goalie. How do you pronounce Shafeli? Sh- Sh- Shifley. Shifley. Mark Shifley. I've always struggled with his name. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> well, it must be. So, Shifley. I imagine most of your interactions with hockey is on the fantasy, the daily fantasy thing. So, the so you're just seeing the names and looking at the all of the metrics and yeah. everything. You're not really listening to a lot of the analysis or, really. or watching the games or anything. And I know Blake Wheeler because he was on the Bruins. <laughs> and then they that that Winnipeg team, they have another really good player who I use a lot too. Shaif, who was on that, who's on that line with them? Oh, Connor, Kyle Connor. Kyle Connor. Yeah. But anyways, we're not going with the Winnipeg at least I'm not going with the Winnipeg Jets. No, because as, no, as because we've got a new team. Predators because of the goaltender. What's the, the St. Oh. Louis Blues won oh. ten in a row? Jordan Bennington. Jesus, he's going to take goodness. down the Tampa Bay Lightning this year. Didn't the St. Louis Blues just have a fucking seventeen-game losing streak or some shit uh, like well, that? Well, all I know is Bennington's come up and he's won thirteen out of fourteen. That's insanity. That is really that right, is can insanity. I, can, can I tell you his stats too? It's not just like though. That's it. He's won thirteen out of fourteen. He has a one point five eight goals against average. And that's a 937 cool. save percentage, and he has four shutouts. In that, <laughs> a third of his games have been shutouts. He's yeah, a monster. That's good. And well, here's the thing too: is like, you see this a lot with with hockey teams and rookie goaltenders. Um, Why is that? I think they just get uh, hockey's one of those sports where effort makes so much difference. You know what I mean? You Is there anything to the that the uh, the skill players on offense don't know the new young fresh goaltenders his spots of weakness? Yeah. Well, so hold on. I think it's twofold. One that the skill players don't take as many chances in front of the unseasoned goaltender. They play it a lot safer. They, you know, the D doesn't pinch as much. The, you know, they, everything is a lot, the system is a lot more solid. Everything is a lot, you know, fundamentals. They're playing hard. The compete level is up. And yeah, 
The book's not out on this goaltender either. That I makes think, sense. That's like a new pitcher coming in baseball. Exactly. Coming out on fire, and he's striking everyone out. No one knows how to hit him. And then the following year, everyone's hot on the pitcher, and he's getting blasted because everyone's figured out how to attack his weaknesses. Right, right. And I think, I think you know, a perfect example of that would be Matt Murray in, in Pittsburgh. You know, right. those comes out, nobody knows who he is, you know, wins a Stanley Cup, has... Shares shares a net with Marc Andre Fleury the next year, wins another Stanley Cup, you know, and now everybody knows to shoot glove hand on him, and he's fucking letting shit in left and right and can't right. can't stay healthy. But anyways, so St. Louis, I mean, they're they're as hot as anyone right now with the goaltending. You know, they've got a great player in Vlad Tarasenko. Yeah, but I mean, again, all you have to do is get in. But so I you're not a believer in the Blues? I'm not a believer in a rookie goaltender. On we have the to have some hope of taking... Of, of, we need hope for somebody to take down the Warriors. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning this year. You know? <laughs> it's so, certainly not going to be the fucking Blues. It's not? No. no. Well, that's what does it, though, is, is, is a goaltender. <coughs> a goaltender gets hot, and that's what does it. It'll, be, it'll probably be the Capitals. You think so? Yeah. I mean, Ovechkin is on fire. It'll be the Capitals. We'll, we'll get to them. It'll be the Capitals. I'm just concerned who, that they are the Warriors in the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm concerned that they're the Warriors. So for me, as a fan, I mean, I and that's the thing. Tampa Bay, they haven't won in a few years anyway, so they, you know they're due to win. But they I, as a fan, I'm looking for someone to take them out, and I, I'm trying to cling get some get, cling my hopes to something. And yeah, I, but also, I mean, it's it's a one of those. Situations where, um, and again, we'll get to them when we get to the Atlantic Division, but I think it's a situation where they've been right there for a long time and something keeps happening. Speaking of that, Victor Hedman, undisclosed, has been ruled out for the remainder of tonight's game versus the Blue Jackets. You know, losing a Hedman for any amount of time. That yeah. could be big. Yeah, absolutely. Or Braden Point or Steven Stamkos. <laughs> they have so many guys. <laughs> yeah, they're just they it's, so many it's guys. unbelievable. All right, yeah. let's continue in this division. So we got Winnipeg. We know we like Winnipeg. They're big, physical style of play. I'm actually going with the Predators. And you like the Predators. I like the Predators. Okay. Uh, again, those offensive, the offensive-minded D-man depth. Do you worry about Rene, though? I saw him struggle on the road in the Cup Finals a couple years ago against. Yeah, Pittsburgh. but but you know what? I think I think Rene is is going to figure it out. Um, I think Pekka Rene has the potential to be sort of the next Braden Holtby, right? Like the guy who always choked, but then somehow finds it and gets gets it together, makes it happen. Uh, at least again, we're just we're not looking sort of too too far forward. There's still a lot of the season left to be played, and then we can kind of make our predictions about the second season because I think more than any other sport, playoff hockey is a is a different, different game. So yeah, we still have like it is six just weeks, a, six weeks to go. It is a it is simply just a different game, and I think that's another reason why the St. Louis Blues don't stand a chance in, in beating the Tampa Bay Lightning. All right. You know they're seventeen nine and three on the road. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't fucking matter when the whistles stop blowing and you know it becomes a game of attrition. All right. I'm just saying, watch out for the Blues for a All little right. while. All right, I'll keep an eye. All right, what about Dallas Stars? Do they they seem sackless to me. Are they sackless? Sackless? Sackless. Are they a sackless bunch with no hope? They're they're 
fucking GM doesn't even believe in them. I know that. That's why. And, and because he called them sackless. He, you'd never see this in sports. You'd never see a GM call his own players sackless. And he did. Yeah. But to their credit, they're in the playoffs if it were to end today. Right. So they're in. I mean, so here's but the question. is that just the talent? Here's the question. They were a few points out of the playoffs before he made those comments. Right. So to their he, credit. He called them horseshit. Yeah. Sackless a-holes, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still don't think they're the worst team, though. I don't either, but I think they're still... It's, first, it's they're a prob- bad, probably it's a, a first-round exit, maybe second. Yeah, no, there's no way. Especially against some of these round. other teams, you'll, especially against the Winnipeg or Nashvilles. Yeah. So moving along to to worst team um, at the at the bottom, we have uh, the Wild Avalanche and the Blackhawks. Um, man, it's been awesome watching the Blackhawks fucking suck this year. Even though they've they've played better of late, but still, they're a long way from home. Yeah, and, and they have the third leading goal scorer in the league. Kane's on fire again. He oh. is on. Patty Kane is lighting it up. They cannot parlay it into wins, though, because um, they don't have any goaltending. Yes. And their their de- their defense is slow and old and yeah, also and expensive. Duncan Keith hurt again. Duncan Keith and Seabrook and all these guys are fucking a million years old and... You know they can't afford to pay anybody. I, again, and just like the Kings, another example of a team that went all in for the window and then. But they got stuff out of it. Left. They've got championships out of it. Oh yeah, I mean you can't, you can't be. And the too, Kings did too, so you, you know. can't be too mad with it, especially when it's. Granted, one was in the lockout year, so there's an asterisk, but there is. I think there is. I wouldn't have taken that asterisk if the Bruins won. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I was absolutely devastated when the Bruins fucking swept the Penguins. Yeah. I was all ready to be Mr. Asterisk Man. That game get... should have went to again. That, that game six still pisses me off. <laughs> um, so, yeah, moving along, the MVP of the division, Patrick Kane, 35 goals, 52 assists, 87 points. That's the age-old debate. Can you, can you have an MVP in the last place team? He is the most valuable player to his team. Okay. You know, I mean, who 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 else would we have? We we would have um, Miko Rantanen or Nate McKinnon, and yeah, they're Avalanche, the second. <laughs> they're the fucking second last. You know. Yeah, that's true. They're the abs. Have, they have the good line, and that's it. You know, so it's like one of those things. It's just poorly poorly managed teams. Uh, with with high star high okay. star power and not being able to get it done. Go Patty Kane, yeah, he's he's on fire. And I, you know, again, I had for my offenseman, uh, Miko Rantanen, fifty eight games, twenty four goals, fifty two assists, seventy six points. Um, currently, the points leader. Or I'm sorry, Nikita Kucherov is the points leader, but he was he was the points leader for a long time there. Okay. Uh, for the defenseman, I basically just got into an argument with myself for, um, you know, a little while between which Nashville Predator I was going to Arvid- pick. Arvidsson? No, no, I went with Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi, Arvidsson is a forward, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was between uh, Ekholm and Ellis and Subban and... Um, yeah, they're pretty loaded. Yeah, it's, it's, they're, 
I've heard of those guys. They're pretty good. But, uh, you know, Yossi's playing those big minutes. He's got 46 points. Um, Team leader, you know. Yeah, that's a good choice. Uh, And then for the biggest story in the Central, um, I was kind of stuck between the firing of Joel Quenville, Coach Q, and the Dallas GM, Jim Light's, um, with the horseshit comments, I mean, because again, that's uh, that's practically unprecedented in. Or the sports. rookie goaltender taking the Blues to the top. Okay, I like it. Thirteen and one. I like it. I mean, that's a that's a serious stretch there. <coughs> Fourteen games. I wonder what the longest streak by. I did too. I wish we looked it up. By a, well, through the magic of editing. All right, John, let us know. Okay, uh, so Jordan Bennington Bennington of the St. Louis Blues, the rookie goaltender, has won 10 straight starts. However, the longest undefeated streak by a rookie goaltender, so for a goaltender from the start of his career, is Patrick Laleem in 1996-97 for the Penguins, had 14 wins and two ties, so he went 16 games for an undefeated streak to start the career. So for Bennington, he's already he had, does have one loss. Okay, So the longest undefeated streak by a goaltender in his first NHL season is Grant Fuhrer. He went 23 games without a loss. 15 wins, 8 ties back when you could tie in 1981-1982 with Edmonton Oilers. So he's got a little ways to go. Mm-hmm. But 10 in a row and 13 out of 14 is not bad. All right, and that stat was brought to you by The Magic of Editing. All right, so moving on to the Metropolitan Division. Um, this one, this one was a hard, hard one for me. I uh, I had to do a lot of soul searching, uh, and and you know look myself in the mirror and be be real honest with myself. I was worried if you would do that or not. Because um, I know we just go we go along day by day, living our lives, thinking that the Penguins are number one and they're gonna win the Stanley Cup again. I haven't. But we're getting late in the year, and I haven't thought that very much this year, to okay. be honest. Yeah, we're uh, getting late in the year, and it's looking right, a little so, dicey. So this is as good a time as any to do my state of the Penguins. Um, I, the good news for you is that it's a jumbled up division, and there's a lot of teams all. Packed together nice and tightly. So, with most teams having 23 or 24 games remaining, and the separation is for one, two, three, four, five teams, eight points. So, the Islanders lead the division with 76, but Carolina isn't far behind. It's 68 points. And mm-hmm. so, that's four wins just to, to make up that difference. And, like I said, there's five teams in that little pack there trying to sprint to the finish line. Right. And you know, there's a lot of teams here that I th- I think are issues. Is- have issues, and are, you know their their record doesn't necessarily reflect uh, what they got going on. Like, even though the Blue Jackets are in contention right now, I fully expect Artemi Panarin to be gone. That's a good question them. because they seem to have also found themselves all of a sudden. They seem right. to have righted their ship. But he's not going to stay, and neither is Bob. So what's the point? But do you keep them for one more run? Do you just keep them together? Keep the band together for a run? Let's um, 
let's address that after the break. Okay. We get into some some trade rumors. Okay. Um. So I think I think the Hurricanes aren't as good as their current record. Sebastian Oaho is on my right side now, though. Oh, so you've, so you've turned the uh, I corner on Sebastian Aho. months playing that dude, and he did nothing. And then for like the past few weeks, I've been playing him a lot. It's just he always ends up as a center. If I play two centers, he always ends up in like the value position and the, the spot. And he always ends up on my daily fantasy team. And like I told you for so long, I'm like, this guy freaking sucks. He never does shit. No, but no. For the last couple not, weeks. You're He's, why is well? Why is what's the deal with Sebastian Aho? I'm how like, is he an all star? Really fucking good. <laughs> well, the last couple of weeks he's been good. He's been money for me, so well, that's it's good. nice I'm to see he's you. fulfilling his potential for me. So I'll give a little state of the union here for um, for the Pens. Uh, I just finished watching their um, defeat of the Rangers and their comeback. Um, it was a loss, but but you know, they were getting pounded pretty good and, and came back um, against the Calgary Flames. And I'm worried about Matt Murray, first off. Um, that guy's just so skinny. And I, I, think, I think he really needs to um, undertake a serious bulking up process. You know, and that's that's hard. And they don't have the defense to support. Right. So he needs to be spectacular. Yeah. He needs to be spectacular every night. And we just got back Justin Schultz, who's been out since November, maybe even October. Uh, it was like four months or something. It was crazy. Um, with a broken leg. And he just came back. And I think that's going to add a, a lot of what was missing for the Penguins. Right, because we were relying on guys like Jamie Alexiak, and you know, the big rig's just not going to get it done. Uh, there's a reason Dallas traded him away, and then it, it was a funny, funny little trade thing. We got him for a seventh round pick, and then we gave him back for a seventh round pick. All works out in the wash. Yeah, whatever. Um, but if Genny Malkin's starting to heat up, that's been also another big problem for the Pens. Is for some reason Gino hasn't been lighting the lamp. He did. He was recently suspended for one game for that crazy high slash. On Michael Ruffle, yeah. It, okay, so that could have been so much worse than it actually ended up being in like every context of that. So obviously, you know the um, big rivalry between the Flyers and the Penguins. And obviously we know, looking at these standings here, that with the Penguins only being six points ahead, sitting in that last wild card spot, the Flyers are very motivated. It's, all, it's basically a playoff game against a hated rival. Uh, Raffles punching Evgeny Malkin in the back of the head twice. You see it very clearly. He punches him twice in the back of the head. And something in Geno snaps. Like, he hasn't been playing very well. He hasn't been producing. He hasn't been the Evgeny Malkin that you usually see on the ice. And he's frustrated, which is the Evgeny Malkin you're used to seeing on the ice. He's a very emotional player. Um, and he just swung back. And, John, he, like... If he had actually made contact with Rahul's head, 
Like, it just, glancing blow, if it even hit him at all. If he had actually made contact with his head, that'd be a 20-game suspension. Yes, and our, thankfully. And our, and our season would be over. Yeah, thankfully. He missed. He, he, he missed. Missed. Yeah. He fucking missed. Just like he's been missing all week, or all year. But he stopped missing this week and has four goals in two games, and I am happy about that. Um, he had seven shots on goal versus the Rangers. I mean, the good news for your team is that the schedule doesn't look too daunting. Knock on wood, because you know the Anything schedule. I mean, anyone can be anyone on a certain night. But you, you know, so you have a lot of the games against you. Have three more games against Columbus coming up, which is good because that's a team you need to beat out. You got two more games against Carolina, which is a team you're going to have to beat out. Two more games against Detroit. Two more games against Buffalo. So, you know, your schedule is against the teams that you should be beating out. Right. So I have a little bit of a bone to pick here with the way these outdoor games are structured and, the like, how they come to be because it's a tough game. It's a tough game to win. No, I agree. After watching the Bruins on New Year's, that was a tricky game. And it's... Um, you know, this is turning out to be a really fucking big game just because of who you're playing. So maybe it makes sense for either every team to get an outdoor game. You know, maybe you have 15 outdoor games a year, which is kind of a lot, but... That'd be cool, though. That would be cool. It would certainly still gets or excuse me, still gets the viewership. I, I suppose that so the novelty th- hasn't hasn't completely worn off yet. I suppose that's something that would have to be instituted once um, Seattle's in the league, because you would need the even teams to to be able to right. to do that. But I don't know. This is a big divisional game against two teams that are, and, and granted, they both have the disadvantage. But I just don't like it. Is Seattle's name the Seattle Sockeyes? Uh, hasn't I don't think they've been. I saw something about Seattle Sockeyes. There's a bunch of things out there. I actually like the Kraken for a name, but that is apparent. You know, Just not, not getting tangent. too yeah, not getting too much heat. Um, one of the things, big things about the Penguins this year that I've I've really noticed uh, is trading Haglin away. The identity of the team has changed a little bit, and I think it's, I think it's been for the better. There's less of a focus on speed for the sake of speed, and and um, so you're seeing guys who are fast, like Brian Rust, be able to exhibit a little more skill, and um, playing playing on the first line with Sidney Crosby, he's been absolutely magnificent. Uh, the line of Rust, Gensel, and Crosby has just been. Unbelievably good, um, and, and I think that's you know a big a big portion of that is there's been a little bit of shift in culture where you know Carl Haglin was was setting he was the pace car right everybody had to keep up with him, and now that's kind of been drawn back a little bit and I think they're focusing on other things a little more and it's been it's been a positive change for us. Um, something I've been wondering about talking about that stadium series game that's coming up is who's going to be goaltending for that? 
Uh, Matt Murray hasn't been necessarily very good, and they they've been starting Casey DeSmith a lot. And something to you know, I don't know how much stock he can put in this because when these things were made, Matt Murray was hurt. But um, Casey DeSmith has been for the last couple of weeks breaking in new pads for the Stadium Series game. So he's likely been told that he's the guy. I guess. You would think, right? Yep. How, as a fan, what does that tell me about the coaching staff's confidence in their starting goaltender? Not good. When several months... Because even when Tuca was struggling, they made him the outdoor game for New Year's. And... I don't know. That's kind of almost the point where he turned the season around for the Bruins, and the, by the Halak was having a great start to the year, and everyone just kind of assumed well, Halak's earned that that start in the premier game, mm-hmm. outdoor game on New Year's, and the coach, uh, he see Cassidy still gave it to Tuca, uh, basically saying you're the number one goalie, we'll give you the outdoor game, and everyone was like, why, why? It's <laughs> been good, but since then. You know, we talked about it that game. He let in a couple bad goals, but he had some really good saves in that game. And it's really turned his season around. So it does say to the team kind of who the number one goalie is going forward. Right? Yeah, I mean, especially considering that... You know, I know not all teams operate exactly the same, but I think that the thinking is the same. Similar. I think it also says something that at least a month out from the game, they made that decision, you know, against... It's not just any other team. It's the Flyers. But we'll we'll see. It still still remains to be seen. He Injuries made, could happen. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, all right, so getting into the Metropolitan Division, uh, the best team both on the, the score sheet and in my esteem this year, uh, the Islanders. I can't fucking believe it. Um, no, nobody can. But, but they're but but they're back on the island and they're kicking fucking ass. And they are actually the team, one of the teams I am most. They have the uh, best defense, right? They've got well, yeah, they got can't a, score against them. They have a great defense, and it's they have a good system. Yeah, well, it's yeah, not the defense; system. it's the system. Uh, Barry Trotz, man, the shit's shit's fucking real. This is what I'm most concerned about um, heading into the playoffs is that we're going to have to play the Islanders first round and go into the Coliseum. See, as a Bruins fan, I want to play the Islanders because I think we match up well against them. You don't want to go into the Coliseum. Okay. For five games. Four games. Four games, excuse me. I don't know. I just feel like the Bruins, have, even this year, they match, they've matched. they played well against Islanders. That, you know, that may be true, but let, like, let's take a look at... Uh, for, me, it's, for me, it's the Islanders or Toronto. Basically, two bad choices. Right. <laughs> so. Um. You know what? Be... I, you know what? Given given the choice there, I think I would rather play Toronto. The, the Bruins ha- do have kind of had Toronto's number over the years, but you know, right now they're ahead of them by a point. But it's Toronto's been ahead of them most of the year, so we'll see. Well, I but, mean, the the Islanders. I don't know what to make of them if it's just. Um, you know, a flash in the pan or what, but they've been 
on strong all year, Matthew Barzell has really stepped up and, and become – he's filled the void that Tavares left. Um, Josh Bailey's doing well as well. We talked about Barry Trout's defensive system. And get this, Robin Leonard and Tomas Grice have a, both have goals against averages of less than 220 and save percentages of at least 930. Wow. Like, what the fuck? For those two guys, yeah. Yeah. And it's not sample, it's not a small sample size for either of them either. You know, it's like. 29 games, 30 games. And they're almost just as good away as they are at home. You know, they have seven losses at home, ten, only 10 on the road. So it's no fluke there. They're not like, oh, dominant home team. No, they're, they're good at home and away. Yeah. So um, I, I pity the fool that has to go into Nassau Coliseum for round one. And then what about Washington? Ovechkin just scored his 40th goal for the 10th time in his career. He yep. seems to be hot as ever. Well, I picked Washington uh, for for the top of the division at the beginning of the year when we first kind of went Pretty through good. this all. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect them to have much of a drop-off. They didn't really lose anybody um, from the cup run. So their window is still wide open. Yep. And then now that they busted through last year, they don't have that... They don't have that kind of curse on, above their head, right. the black cloud above their head that they've had in years past. Now the door's open for them, and they, they've, they've already they've gotten through there the hole, and they've gotten through the doorway. They know how to do it, and buttholes are loosened. Yeah. yeah, and then so like you said before, so Columbus and your Penguins are tied at sixty nine points, but Columbus has two games in or in hand left to play. Um, so they've got twenty five games left. Pittsburgh only twenty three games left. So technically, I guess Columbus has a little bit of an edge there. Right. But you've got three games left against them. So you yeah, can make I, up the difference there. I mean, those we, games are going to be big. Those games will be big, and we usually do well against Columbus. Um, as far as the worst team, again, the... Um, well, what about the Flyers, man? What about Carter Hart and the Flyers coming on strong? He's 13-6 and six as a rookie goaltender. Yeah, and the Flyers seem to be making that annual late season push that they always make. Um, They're still not a very good team. I don't. They have talent. Yeah, but it the, their talent doesn't work together, and what they've lacked is goaltending. Um, but this new kid seems pretty good. This new kid seems Second pretty good. Pick. Um, Cam Talbot's now coming to bring uh, some winning culture to the team. And then the Devils have fallen off. That was that was a joke. He's coming from Edmonton. Yeah, that's not a winning culture. <laughs> but I think I think the idea there is that is that they want a veteran goaltender to uh, mentor Carter Hart and, okay. and you know kind of show them show him the way. Something in case it's a fluke for the. I don't know. I mean, if they can get to the playoffs, they're still six points out. Yeah. Again, I just don't see. I don't see him being able to handle the heat. He's twenty fucking years old. There's a reason there aren't 20-year-old goaltenders in the league. You know, save for Matt Murray and Andre Vasilevsky, you know. But maybe, maybe again, maybe this is the new thing, too. Where so they've won 12 of 14, the Flyers. 12 and 2 in the last 14. It's pretty good. They're coming. Yeah. So I wouldn't count them out just yet. Well, I think, I think, um, I think 
the next two games we have against them obviously are going to be huge. I mean, all the games are huge this you, time. And so one of their, those two losses they had was against the Penguins. Right. And that you got to think, too. That's in the division. That's a four-point swing. Yeah, and so the Flyers, they, they need all the points they can get to save their season. They were so far behind to even be where they are now is impressive. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, something to, to watch out for moving forward. Uh, getting into the worst team, the at 54 points, the New Jersey Devils. After making the playoffs last year, it seemed like they had something going. Yeah, I think I think that was um, I mean, and it bared out in the fact that he won the MVP. I think that was just the the personal effort and determination of Taylor Hall to to say fuck you to Peter Shirelli. It from, was a one man wrecking crew type of deal for them last year. He only has eleven goals and thirty seven points this year. Disappointing. You know, it's, disappointing. I, I'm not terribly disappointed. <laughs> I mean, for an MVP caliber player to drop off that much, it's disappointing. Yeah. You don't see that very often. Yeah. In any sport. Ooh. Um, so, for MVP, Alex Ovechkin, 40 goals, 27 assists. Um, he is just the heart and soul of that team as a leader. Um, I probably like him a little a little more than Tom Brady, but I, I have the same sort of uh, begrudged respect for him that I do Tom Brady and, and for what he does and how he leads his team. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I can't think of a person more... Um, although, I guess, maybe Carter Hart for <laughs> the Flyers right now that is more valuable to his team. But he's only done it for 19 games, so. Right, right. Um, as far as offensemen, had to get it in somewhere. Uh, so I'm going to go with my boy, Sidney Crosby, um, leading the division in points. Uh, 56 games played, 25 goals, 47 assists, 72 points. Um, one thing that I like that they've done with um, Sidney Crosby this year is they've started putting him on the penalty kill, like late, late in the kill when um, when the the second uh, power play unit is is on the ice. And is that translated to shorthanded goals? He's well, he's got two hand, two uh, two shorthanded assists. Okay. Yeah, I noticed the the, the Bruins. So Marshan's a shorthand king. They do that with Marshan. Yeah, I mean Mario Lemieux to score a ton of shorthanded goals. It's like there's no reason not not to put him out there. He's a great two way player. It's yeah, not, it's he, not like he's Phil Kessel who only scores. Yeah, you know. So um, it's been nice to see that. Uh, it's been nice to see Sid be healthy. Actually, after so long, he was really bad battling. First, it was the concussions, and you know, and it just seemed like something. Something was always happening. He had a, I believe he had a complete season last year, um, for the second time in his career, uh, and so to to have only missed uh, two games um, this year. This made me That's good. Happy. Maybe they're flying under the radar this year, kind of like Patriots did. Yeah, 
And then I had an uh, honorable mention, Sebastian Ajo, and his three short-handed okay. goals okay. this year. I was hoping to get a, a, a little bit of a rise out of you with that one. You would but, have a couple weeks ago. But I, no, <laughs> I guess you're, you're back on Team Ajo. Um, do you have anybody for the MVP or... I mean, you can't argue with a Vetchkin. I just... That's it. The guy's a freaking machine. He's like a, he's like a machine. Yeah, he's, he is the most talented goal scorer, uh, at the very least, our generation. And if you do the, the era adjustments, probably of all time. As far as just a pure goal scorer. Yeah, that's not an outrageous statement. Definitely not. There is a... And I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. There is a numerical possibility, which even the fact that there is a numerical possibility is insane, but there is a numerical possibility of him catching Wayne Gretzky. For really? Those. Yeah. Something like if he... Um, he's like 32 now or something, and if he can keep up his current goal-scoring pace and plays until he's 40. He's 33. He's 33, okay. But if he plays until he's 40 at his current goal-scoring pace, he'll be within, like, 20. Which, that's a lot to ask. Yeah, but still. But just, again, just the fact that it's it's a numerical possibility that he could catch Wayne Gretzky is absolutely insane. Do Gets 50 goals, like, every year. Let me ask you a quick trivia question. And he never misses games, either. Look how he never misses games. No. Ever. He's, he's Russian. He's just made out of hate and fucking skill. You think after all he drank in the offseason, he'd be, like, rest up a little bit. <laughs> no, no, that just makes him stronger. That's right. Again, just he's Russian. Vodka, just, just makes him stronger. But yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at his games played for his entire career. It's absurd. So I got a little trivia question for you, Johnny. What two brothers, NHL professionals, have scored the most points as a tandem? Sedins. No. No? Really? No. That would be Brent and Wayne Gretzky. Do you know how many goals? Oh, wow, that was a trick question. Do you know how many goals Brent Gretzky had? One. Four. Four. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. No, because I was looking at some hockey stat list the other day, and I saw the Sedins were way higher than I ever expected them to be. Like, both of them. So, no. I just figured it would be the Sedins. Thought I, I thought I had that one. Yeah. No, that's what I yeah. thought when I, the first time I heard it. But, it's that. yeah, it's a trick question. <laughs> you got me. Um, so for defensemen, I have um, John Carlson of Washington. Not a bad choice. Cannot argue with that. Nine goals, 43 assists. Or Seth Jones for Columbus is pretty good, but Carlson's Seth, not bad. Seth Jones is pretty good, but John, John Carlson is, again, an, another one of those like tone setter guys. I have a hard time signing on or, or f- giving... Um, in this sport specifically, accolades to guys who have not had any playoff success. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like because because that second season of the playoffs is a completely different game. It's a war of attrition. It is it is 
Um, the rules are different. The, the pace of play is different. The, the aggression. We don't want to find an Islander, though. I mean, if we're, if we're doing it for this year... We don't want to find an Islander. I mean, for their elite Matt Barzell is the is the um, kind of easy choice. No, I think Carlson. I think Carlson's the right call. Oh, I'm sorry. You're talking defenseman. Defenseman. Yeah. Okay. All right, John Carlson, and then the biggest story. Uh, Okay, so we have the hurricane storm surge. Don Cherry fucking hates it. Call them a bunch of jerks. Um, you know what I'm talking about, the storm surge? No. So, so every time the Hurricanes win a home game, they all circle up around center ice, and they do this like slow clap thing, and then they do a gimmick. Um, they've done fucking Duck Duck Goose... They've done Limbo. Sounds lame. <laughs> but think of how little they've had to cheer for in Carolina. Like, since 2006. I suppose. So, something, right? You know, like... Something. <laughs> Poor Carolina. Poor Hartford Whalers. Oh, I know. I will say, though, those Hartford Whalers jerseys looked fucking dope. Poor Hartford Whalers. Especially as they were beating the Bruins with them. I know. (laughs) Uh, But really, the biggest story this year um, in the Metropolitan Division is the Islanders losing Tavares, and they don't suck. Yeah, that's an easy one. Just, just, you know, they're... they're I think everyone would have expected either Washington or Pittsburgh or even Columbus before the Islanders. This this year, uh, they're this year's Golden Knights. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know a single person who gave them a chance at the beginning of the year. Strange how that works. You lose your best player, and things improve vastly. <laughs> well, I mean, what does that say about Tavares? Because I know, I know. Because let's Toronto's face... in the same spot they were last year. Right. Same exact spot. Well, there's only one puck. Right. All right, let's move on to the Atlantic. Speaking of that one puck, though, Tampa Bay seems to make that one puck work for them. <laughs> Do you know that their goal differential is plus 73, which is almost twice as, as much as any other team in the entire NHL? That's insanity. That is insanity. They have 92 points. The second best team in the NHL, which is the San Jose Sharks. I'm sorry, the Calgary Flames have 79 points after their win today. They won earlier today. So they were tied with the Sharks at 77 points. So it goes Tampa Bay, Calgary, and then San Jose has 77 points. And then the Bruins have 76 points, which is the same amount as the Islanders and the Winnipeg Jets. So three Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't feel good to be 16 points behind your, the division it's leader. It's insane. 16 points, 8 games. That's 8 Games behind in 59 played for the team that's the fourth best team in the NHL. Yep. That's how good the Tampa Bay Lightning are. They are truly this year's Golden State. 73 and 9 Golden State Warriors from a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, they, they are 44, 11, and 4 right now, and 24 and 5 at home, 20 and 6 on the road. 
I mean, there's not a weakness there. There's just no holes. There's no holes. There's no spots where it's like, ah, uh, we can get them there. There's not none of that. But, I mean, the good news for the other teams is that we'll see what happens with Hedman's injury. It was undisclosed. We didn't see it, so maybe if, if it's a big deal, we, Hedman's our best defenseman. So mm-hmm. if they can lose him for a little bit of time, that would maybe open the door a little bit. But, again, they're so stacked. They're so stacked. Three of the five people on their top power play are top ten in scoring. Three. Yeah. That's crazy. Kucherov, Point, and Stamkos. And then... Yeah, Point's like the best player on half uh, the teams in the NHL. And then the other guy is Hedman. It's crazy. You know, Andre Vasilevsky... uh, We... And maybe this is why we've seen so few trades this year. Like we talked, we, we discussed this for a little bit last week. Do teams bother even bother trying to improve their roster for a limited limited Stanley Cup playoff run? Well, you were talking about that, but I I think yes, I think absolutely you do. I it think, just seems like there's no shot. Like the writing's on the wall. Yeah, it really does. But I know it's NHL, so goaltending can make a difference. But I just, I have some nightmare memories and visions in my head from what happened to the Bruins in the second round of the playoffs last year. They beat Toronto in the first round. Looking pretty good doing it. Toronto was a good team. And I'm like, okay, the Bruins beat them. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's take on the Lightning. And we went ahead one game to none and then got stomped four games in a row. Just got curb stomped. And it was like the series was over before it even really began. And then what happened in the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah, the Capitals broke through. Yeah. So, and then what happened? But they weren't at this. They weren't this level last year. What What happened? The Eastern Conference Finals before that, or excuse me, with with two years before that, Penguins. Right. So, but they weren't this. They're good then. They weren't this team. Like it seems like they've all just reached their pinnacles. You know what I mean? They've they've risen. You know they've been good, but it seems like they've all matured to the point where now it's like okay, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green have all reached the pinnacle of their powers, and that's you know Kucherov, Stamkos, Point, Vasilevsky, Hedman. They've all reached the height of their powers, and now it just seems like they're unstoppable force. I'd... I, I, I don't want them to win. Yeah, I, I, my, my logical thinking brains picked them at the beginning of the year to win this to win the cup. Yeah, I know, of course, yeah. Yeah, like that way they were the odds on favorite. Okay, so let me let me ask you this but, question here. But, let's pose this: Would you take if the playoffs were to start tomorrow? Would you take Tampa Bay? If I were to give you two options, either t- you take Tampa Bay Lightning or you can take the field. Who are you taking? <laughs> Who's your favorite? Who are you taking? Who do you want? Tampa I'll give Bay. you the other fifteen teams that make the playoffs or the Tampa <laughs> Bay Lightning. Probably Tampa. You're Bay. taking the Lightning. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> they're the Warriors. They're the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. No, it, they're pretty good. It's they're pretty good. There's... They're 44 and 11. <laughs> they're pretty good. In hockey, you just don't see that, man. Yeah. I was I was looking up um, the record for um, most points scored by or in a season by a team. Yeah. And it was 131. I, I was going to say that. I knew that. I knew that number in my head. Capitals? I think it was the Lightning. It was the Lightning. Okay. Uh, hold on. 
All right, so it was uh, Detroit Red Wings in uh, 1996 with 131 points, and they lost the conference finals to Colorado. Now, also in 2006, um, the Detroit Red Wings had 124 points and lost in the conference quarterfinals to Edmonton. So what I'm seeing here from the President's Trophy winners is that... Maybe they lose their edge a little. Yeah. Let's hope so. <laughs> Let's hope so. I just think it's crazy that with um, 22, 23 games left, you know... They're at 92 points. 92 points, you know. 46 possible points left on the board. Yep. They still will not probably reach that 96 Red Wings team. Like how watching the dominance of the Lightning, like how how good was that? What is the what was the Red Wings number? 96. But what you would they get 131? 131. So that's 8 to 39. So they need 39 to 46 points. Yeah, you're right. They're not going to get there. I don't think. I don't think they'll get there. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Fuck. That'd be crazy. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed by what the Bruins have done. Honestly, the Bruins are playing some really good hockey. They've won five in a row. They've gone on the West Coast and won the first two games after losing Pasternak to a ridiculously stupid broken thumb injury where he... They played the prior Sunday before. They played the Blackhawks in a Sunday matinee game at the Garden. They had a team-sponsored dinner later that night, and he's getting into his Uber, likely plastered with too much Becca Roca, I think is what they had the checks drink. Becca Roca? Yeah, it's what the checks drink. And so I think he had too much of that and stumbled getting into his Uber, and he broke his thumb, and he's to be reevaluated. In a week, so the timeline was two weeks. So, the Bruins' leading goal scorer, who who had four, he counts for so the Bruins' total number of goals for the year. He had either scored himself or assisted on forty-one percent of the team's goals for the season, and they've won four games since that injury has happened. They play San Jose tonight, so that'll be an interesting game. Um, thankfully, they haven't missed him too much yet, but if he's out for a long period of time, I'm sure that will catch up to them. Thankfully, guys like Jake DeBrusque, who had really struggled this year, has stepped up big time. And Danton Heinen, since he's been moved up to the first line, has stepped up as well. Uh, so a couple young guys picking up where they, you know, they've lacked this year. The young guys haven't really taken the step that many thought they would for the Bruins this year. It's been the old reliable guys. And they, they even went to move Pasternak down to the second line to play with Krejci. And they moved Heinen up to play with Bergeron and Marchand. Because they, after what happened last year, they don't want to be stuck with the same situation where they have one really good line in hockey. Because you go into the playoffs with one really good line and that gets stopped and you have nothing. Right. So they're trying to you have spread it. the love. They're, they're trying to have it this year where they have multiple lines that can get the job done. And I, whether or not they make a deal, who knows? The deadline is a week from today. Wayne, Wayne Simmons would be a nice pickup for you guys. And they're, Yeah, or they're talking about Panarin, but who knows if Columbus is going to make that deal. It. But I, I don't think... So the Bruins gave up a first-round pick last year to get Rick Nash, and obviously they weren't pleased with the results. So I don't think the Bruins are going to go down the line this year of giving up a high, another high draft pick 
for a guy that who knows whether or not he'll pan out. I think what they, they really need, I know what the team needs is a third-line center. That's what the team needs. They've needed it all season long, and it shouldn't cost too much to go out and get a third-line third line center, and you can trade someone young. They have a lot of young guys and you know fill that role because the scoring gap between the top guys, Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak, to DeBrusque is those guys have in the 40s, and DeBrusque before the last couple games was around 19. So there's a big gap in the yeah. scoring for the Bruins, and you don't want to be so heavily reliant You'll you'll see that a lot with I don't those I mean they they call them the checking lines for a reason. Yeah, but in this day, day and age of the NHL, I mean you look at Tampa Bay, you look at Toronto. Who, these are teams that the Bruins will likely face in the first round and the second round, and you got to be able to at least somewhat match what those teams are going to do if you want a chance of beating them. Right. You know, so we'll see what happens. But I think that my thinking is Tampa Bay is a fucking wagon, right? Mm-hmm. Are they going to beat them and get past the second round in Tampa Bay anyway? Probably not. But, however, they do owe something to the, the uh, Zidane Chara and Patrice Bergeron's of the world who are getting up there in age, and they're not going to be around much longer. So I feel like they, the team's played really well despite the injuries this year. They, they've lost Bergeron for a stretch, they lost Chara for a stretch, and now they've lost Pasternak for a stretch. And for them to still have the fourth-best record in the league three-quarters of the way through the season says something. So you feel like... To the team, Sweeney said as much. He feels like he owes something to the team to get something done. What it is, who knows? We'll see. Hmm. How do you how do you feel about Tuca's performance as of late? I mean, this is what you get from Tuca every year. He starts the year slow. January, February, March, he heats up, and he's one of the best, if not the best, goalie in the league for a stretch of, stretch of time. And then you go into the playoffs, and it's questionable Tuca. So hopefully he can ride it out a little further this year. The good news for you, though... The save he made the other night, you see that? I think I sent it to you. The kick save he had against oh, the yeah. Kings. That was incredible. The good news for you this year is that you have a reliable backup plan. Yes. Yeah, Halak has been good. He hasn't been as good lately. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that he had a shutout the other night. But he has slipped from his hot start to the beginning of the season. But well, they really right. need... I think... I think you see this with goaltenders where the more they're needed, the more they perform. Yeah. You know, so Tuca was bad. Yeah. Yeah, we said he had personal issues, and he did. But it just seems like he, he gets hot this time of year, every year. Mm. And he is. And then, so you get Toronto, which is basically tied with the Bruins. They're one point behind, but they have a game in hand. Um, Toronto's, you know, they're a really good team, too. Yeah, but uh, I don't. But they're Toronto. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, right? What's it since nineteen sixty four? They're one of the biggest choker teams in sports. They just they always find a, find way, a way to lose to not get it done always. Yeah. So as much as you they they're scary they're scary for a, you know a team to play in the playoffs because they're so loaded and they have so much talent. They also will always have that stigma of they're the Toronto Maple Leafs. They will find a way to blow it. So, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of an enigma. The rest of the uh, the rest of the division is pretty weak. Pretty weak. Montreal, Montreal and Buffalo started off um, better than expected. I won't. I won't say. You know, Buffalo was. We've been Buffalo waiting for Buffalo good. for a few years. Um, but they've sort of fallen off. I think yep. their goaltending's come back to earth. Um, Florida didn't take the step 
forward this year that many thought they would. Oh my God! Did you see um, their goaltender said that sometimes it it's like uh, playing an exhibition game. You really have to get yourself mentally prepared for it because there's nobody in the fucking arena. You're welcome to sports in South Florida. That's just the way it is. There's just so many My, places. Miami Marlins are the same way. So one. many places to spend your entertainment dollars yep. that it's, you know. Yeah, Dolphins, even the Dolphins. It takes the Dolphins, like, uh, something crazy to happen for those fans to start doing anything. Like, it's just a weird place to play. It de- Detroit continuing its decline. And then in the bottom basement, we have my worst team. Uh, the worst team in the NHL, right? Worst team in the NHL. 49 points. Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators. Man, can you imagine going from being one goal away from the Stanley Cup Finals? That's why it was so surprising when it happened. Everyone, to to being... Two years having ago. 43 points. Yeah. And they had Carlson on the team. Yeah, they had... Would seem like... I mean, I guess when you look back now, two years ago... It was a lot of it had to do with the system, the the awful, boring style that they were Guy playing. Guy Boucher's fucking 3-1 trap. Yeah. It was frustrating because there was no action. Just draw out the game and yeah, get a goal and sit on it. Apparently it was, it was uh, just draw out the game until second overtime. That you had in the playoffs, right? <laughs> Uh, but, I mean, Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne on their way out. They had um, Eric Carlson leaving because, uh, you know, the whole thing there with with them getting harassed by, um, I forget the guy's name, but his girlfriend. And then they didn't want to trade him in the division either. So instead of getting what the best possible value was for him, they had to make sure that they ship him far That's away. Far away. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. Silly. Then the Ubergate thing, and yep. you know, uh, so worst team. So all, all the awards, I'm assuming we know all the awards could stay in Tampa <laughs> for this division. Um, yeah. Yep. MVP. I mean MVP. Nikita Kucherov, Kucherov. right? Twenty-seven goals, sixty-seven assists, ninety-four points. The best uh, offenseman, Brent Braden Point, thirty-three goals, forty-two assists, seventy-five points. Uh, although, honorable mention uh, to Jeff Skinner, 36 goals. That's pretty fucking cool. Pasternak's been good, too, but hard to break through the Tampa Bay. Yep. Studs. Although, for for the defenseman, uh, I did have Morgan Riley. Really? You're a Toronto guy over a Tampa guy. I for did. Edmund, huh? Yeah, for this, because uh, Morgan Riley has been holding it down for Toronto. This entire time, while uh, William Nylander was getting his shit figured out. Okay. He's got 15 goals, 42 assists, 57 points. Um, He is the only defenseman to make it in the top 50 for points. So you, you can't argue with that, right? No. Goalie Vasilevsky. Oh, God, he's so good. <laughs> Andre Vasilevsky's so good. I remember in the 2016 um, Eastern Conference Finals, I find out Ben Bishop's gone down. He's hurt. Excited. 
It was I exciting. Was, I was so fucking excited. I was like, we're going to sweep these guys, go right to the Stanley Cup Finals. Lo and behold. 24. Yeah. Yeah, he was... He was. It was the battle of the 21-year-old goaltenders. 24. Yeah, he is so good. All right, so yeah, the Golden State Warriors, I mean Tampa Bay Lightning, Atlantic Division. <laughs> and that's, pro- that's probably the biggest story, right? The way they're just running away with it. I mean, also, there's the Maple Leafs signing big pieces for a long time. Yeah, they're making they're signing all the guys, but like I said a few minutes ago, they're in the same they're almost in the same identical spot that they were at this time last year. So is there is there a good um, maybe basketball analogy? So we we keep talking about how the um, Tampa Bay Lightning are the Golden State Warriors of hockey. Who's the team in? Basketball, where they've loaded up on players, created essentially a super team, but it's not worked. Yeah, you rarely see that. I mean, the first year, the first year, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh went With to the, the heat. heat. They struggled at first, and then they lost in the finals, but they still made the finals. Um, you, you build these super teams, and it, it usually works out unless you're like the Lakers. The Lakers, one year, they did. Uh, Steve Nash and Dwight Howard, and that that they, that team really struggled. But yeah, you, you rarely see that because in the NBA, there's only five guys on the court at a time. So if you get the best players, they have such a big impact. Where right. hockey, you're constantly rotating team guys and you know different lines, and it's not one one guy doesn't have the same impact in hockey that it does in basketball. All right. Well, uh, we're getting to the end here. Uh, talk a little bit of trade rumors. Um, we talked about Wayne Simmons possibly going places. We talked about Artemi Panarin possibly going places, and or staying with Columbus, or staying with Columbus. So because they're, but they did just lose tonight to Tampa Bay. Um, five what was it five to one? They lost to Tampa Bay tonight. Hey, who can fault them? <laughs> But, but they're in playoff contention and they played better of late. And you know, is it will they get a return with Tampa Bay being so good in the NHL this year? Will Columbus get a return for the goalie and Panarin? That's worthwhile to say. Let's take that, or will teams be hesitant to give up so much for a talented player, knowing that there's a Tampa Bay in the league this year? I think with and Columbus might just ride them out. I think with. So this whole situation has been complicated by the fact that the Islanders didn't suck dick this year. Did it? Did not. Didn't, right. Did not suck. So because the whole the whole idea going into this was we can't let what happened to the Islanders happen to us where they lost Stamkos or, or excuse me, they lost Tavares for nothing. Yeah. But. I mean, the same thing almost happened to the Lightning with Stamkos, too. Yeah, I mean, Toronto was. Freaking way. Toronto was fucking gunning hard for Stamkos. And it was. It would have been the same thing. But he decided to re sign in the offseason. But they would have lost him for nothing as well. 
So now that now that the Islanders have lost their best player and been arguably a better team, most improved team. Yeah. Um can you really still make the argument that you can't lose him for nothing for the sake of of maximizing right now? Yeah, in my opinion, I think you just go for it. Ride it out. Unless someone blows you away with some ridiculous offer, but I don't see that happening. But, again, if we are saying that the... Who's going who's, who's gonna, to who's gonna be the team that blows them away right now? Well, think about getting Artemi Panarin on your team. That will put you over the top. Could put you over the top. Will? I wouldn't say will. Right, but if you were to... I think you need a serviceable player and a first-round pick back. That's a lot. Or or a... That's a lot when most teams are two, two, at least two, two Panarins away from Tampa Bay. You know what I mean? It's a lot to give up. You know what I'm saying? We're two Paneras away from Greenfield. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god yeah no but it's it's something to think about because we'll see we'll, we'll, we'll have an answer next week yeah or uh, actually no three o'clock um sunday monday monday yeah next yeah next show we'll have her we will we will have no, our answer we'll all right our... guys thanks for sticking around with us and uh listening to An hour and 45 minutes of hockey talk. Go Bruins. Beat the Sharks tonight. (laughs) Um, I'm going to send you out tonight with the clip of the week. It is Kyle Ocposo getting knocked the fuck out on the ice. Enjoy. Wheeling now looking for a penalty. Ocposo and D'Angelo. And they're ready to go. All right, stand back. They're going to go. The Lions are going to get the move out of the way. And here they go. Down on the ice goes Oposo. He gets up again, but it's over. There was no penalty on the check to begin with. Now, good job by both men there standing up. And Kyle Oposo going in. He's going to come across and get some fixing right here. Oposo comes across, knocks down Zuccaro. I think they thought it was worse than what it was. And when they see it, I think they'll realize it. And then everybody comes in. And D'Angelo is going to be the one that squares off with a postal. And that head right there shouldn't be there. But both guys are going to go down. And that is the Rangers' 17th fighting major of the season. And that is second most in the NHL.